of exports that are going to humanitarian aid has plunged because the wealthy countries are skipping the line. In fact, we were warned about this in September when Russian President Vladimir Putin spoke at the Eastern Economic Forum. He said that when the first round of ships left the Black Sea, the first 80 ships full of grain, only two of them were on hunger relief missions. In normal years, it would be much greater than that. He said that the West needs to allow civilian ships into the Ukrainian Black Sea to deliver grain cargo, but most of that grain is going to Europe's wealthiest nations with only 3% now being dedicated to hunger relief mission. He warned that this will turn into a never before seen humanitarian catastrophe. Reuters now is reporting that what he says is true. Take a look at the chart that was just published within the last week showing how humanitarian aid from places that usually give aid to Africa is plummeting. Look at this chart where we were in 2022, um, 4%. Um, EU and other member states, 17% in 2022, down 8 percentage points. So the places that are hurting that normally receive aid are not going to when the rest of the world is in crisis. And how can people living in these hardships then advocate for other people? It's incredibly hard. Um, their leaders know that when they drag this war out, they are increasing the cost of living and creating a scarcity of food that developed nations will jump the line and starve out less developed nations. Hey, you guys, welcome back. Today was a bit challenging because my boyfriend and I were stuck in the car trying to get to our apartment in downtown L.A. Coming from Pasadena, we went grocery shopping. Right when we get into downtown L.A., there is an immense amount of traffic. So then I take my phone out and I come to learn that there is an ongoing protest in downtown. The civilians in downtown were protesting the harsh treatments of women coming from the Iranian government. Uh, recently, the Iranian government killed hundreds of their protesters. So rightfully so, it would make sense for the people of Iranian descent to stand in solidarity with the people of their motherland. Now, as we got out of the car, and gathered our groceries we walked back to our apartment it was difficult to even cross the street there were a lot of people because again it's a protest a massive one as i looked on and looked at the ethnical pride of the iranian people i couldn't help but think about africa so this episode is going to be more about the sanctions that were imposed on Russia back in February. I have no commentary to provide on the Iranian situation going on right now. But the action from the people standing up for their people that are suffering in their motherland shook me to my core. When you look at things, it inspires you in your own <laughs> realm. I've been to protests before in the past. I don't do protests anymore because I figured that policy and who to vote for and such would make more of a difference rather than allowing my voice to be heard, though I do respect protesting because it's a constitutional right. Those Iranian people that were in downtown today had every right to be there because they're exercising their freedom of speech. It was inspiring to see to the point where I've made an episode to exercise my freedom of speech and my protest. And today I want to talk about how the Ukrainian war is awful for Africa. Now, back in February of last year, the United States and their allies have imposed sanctions on Russia. Just to go back into time a little bit, back in 2014, there was a genocide that was committed amongst 
amongst the people in the Donbass region. Correct me if I'm wrong, but roughly 14,000 people died. They lost their lives. And of these people were ethnic Russians. So this was going on through the course of eight years. The Ukrainian military were striking at this region, and it's been a problem area. Now, the situation there has gotten worse. I was watching an interview with Kim Iverson, and she was interviewing a 13-year-old girl. Just to add context to this, the Ukrainian military published a kill list, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a list of people that are targets. And of these people were, I believe, 300 children. And this 13-year-old girl was one of them. There was a picture published in this list. Kim Iverson was interviewing her, and this Ukrainian girl had a interpreter. And the interpreter was explaining how sinister the Ukrainian military is. I highly recommend you all watch this. This little girl, she's 13 years old, and she's letting everybody know from this interview to not believe what the propaganda of the West is telling us about the situation in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. There are children being targeted. This is unjust. And the people of the West are being largely misled by big media. Fast forward, NATO wanted Russia to back down and to not support these people in the Donbass region. Side note, there is a nationalist movement growing in Ukraine. They are called Azov, A-Z-O-V. I'll drop a link in the description so you guys can read into them. They are a far-right nationalist group, so these people would be considered neo-Nazis. At some point in time, they were indoctrinated into the Ukrainian military. So people overseas, particularly independent journalists and independent-led voters, would claim Ukraine to be the most corrupt country in Europe. A lot of people have classified them to be as such. Now, this threat from Putin has been going on for eight years. As of last year, NATO realized that he wasn't going to back down and therefore pursued these sanctions. I played you a clip earlier from Redacted and Natalie's talking about when imports are so heavily restricted like this, of course the rich countries would be first in line. That would leave the underdeveloped countries who are already struggling be left behind. Russia and Ukraine are the largest importers of wheat and cooking oils and typically they have cargo to stock up goods reserved for these struggling nations and a lot of that does go to Africa. Now Europe has secured their shipment. I don't know when, but I'm assuming some point before these sanctions took place. So they got their goods in first. I'm not blaming Europeans for the governments looking out for their people's best interests, but I am blaming the European governments for playing along with this bullshit war because it's going to leave people in Africa malnourished. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Children in Africa are malnourished due to these sanctions. It's affecting the world. I made an episode about this a while back where I explained how we live in a world where it's almost like a domino effect. And we're all spinning in space at the end of the day together, whether we like it or not. And we rely on one another for one thing or another. When one country decides not to play along, kind of affects its neighbors and other countries that 
it typically does business with. And Russia happens to be very resourcefully rich. They're incredibly powerful in other ways too, because they rely on themselves and they have very strong allies. Despite the sanctions that were imposed on them, they were still able to keep it moving during all this because they're already self-sufficient. So sanctions meant nothing to them. At the end of the day, the Russian government can still afford to feed its people and allow people access to energy and electricity without gouge pricing their energy bills because they're the main importers to Europe for all this. <laughs> so they don't need Europe. They have themselves. You know, it's one thing to impose sanctions on a country like Syria. I mean, the death toll has risen from 4,000 to 14,000. Last I checked, due to the recent earthquake that Syria and Turkey has suffered from. Now, it's one thing for the West to impose sanctions on Syria, a country that can not really generate goods for themselves and the resources that they do have are already being exploited. But to go after Russia is not smart. And in fact, the domino effect is taking place. We got kids who can't eat in Africa. It's funny to me to live in this day and age where, especially within the woke realm, you see all these people talk about racism, all these people talk about this and that when the mother of this world, Africa, is suffering. A lot of the needs of these African nations aren't being met. We're not going to talk about this? How inhumane. I come from Africa. As far as I'm concerned, my country has no diplomatic ties to America or anything like that. They've helped them target quote-unquote terrorists back in the 2000s, but for the most part, there's no ties to one another. But my heart aches as an African to see how these sanctions can affect the world. And when I saw that protest today, it couldn't help but make me feel the way the Iranian people feel, which is anger. And I wish there was a protest in America where we can stand up against this Ukrainian-Russian conflict and put an end to it. Call for a ceasefire. There's food shortages around the world now. Think of it this way. When you are in a country that's under attack like war on your own soil and you see your buildings crumble down and if you happen to be in a family where they don't really have money to go and bargain with people to get them out of that country, you're stuck there. You can't do anything about it. And your neighbor whose dad was a teacher gets a foot ahead, right? But more money to bargain. And that's the sad reality of life. And that's what war does. And it amazes me how in Los Angeles there are flags that say stand in solidarity with Ukraine when they're killing their own people, when children in Africa are hungry. We can take notes from the Iranian people, how they unite, they stand together, and they're not even in Iran. They're in downtown LA protesting, making their voices heard, letting their motherland know that, hey, this is how we feel. Why can't we as Americans get together and put an end to a war and demand the media to tell us the truth? Why is that? We can't get to that place unbelievable and CNN won't touch this story PBS won't touch this story I haven't seen it on Fox if you have let me know drop a link but I haven't no one's talking about this I'm very proud of the continent I was born in it's so rich in resources that it's been exploited to the point of the existence it's in now my heart goes out to the targeted children in Ukraine my heart goes out to the 80 year olds and 15 year olds that are forced to fight in this war orchestrated by assholes who lie. My heart goes out to every child in Africa, every mother in Africa. 
every father in Africa. My heart goes out to the Pakistani people who are skipping work to collect grain for their families. This is the face of struggle. The 1% of this world have no respect or regard to mankind. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It disgusts me. So this is terrifying. The reason why it's really important to call for an end of war right now is because the nationalist military of Ukraine have just been spotted putting together chemical weapons. So this is another thing you're not going to hear in the news. And this is another thing you're not going to hear in society, especially if you're on the West Coast in America, where these socialist politicians have taken over so if you've noticed when you walk around the city everyone's kind of in la la land they don't know what the fuck's going on but this is the reality of the situation the ukrainian military have their hands on chemical weapons if they were to use those chemical weapons on russia a strong nation remember who have allies of their own, we can be met with nuclear weapons here. Our allies would get bombed, we'll get bombed. They have equipment and weapons that are so advanced. Why are we not asking for a ceasefire? Why are we not protesting that? Why aren't we causing traffic for that? I don't understand. feel like I'm waking up every day and I'm further and further in the twilight zone. I don't understand. And I don't understand how this many people are this oblivious to how awful the world is right now. I want to end this episode with a simple message. I live my life here on this land. I've made mistakes here. I made friends here. And I've made love here. I made decisions and watched my ideas transform into reality right here. I've experienced my physical existence here in America. So why wouldn't I love this country? When I was 19, a wise man who's not here with us anymore once told me that love is a complicated word because love is a complicated feeling. That's something that never left my side. I've been thinking about that for over 10 years now. Love is a complicated feeling. Well, as of recently, what I've learned from hearing that as a teenager is that love is an emotion that is so incredible that even at times, it's challenged by events that are unpredictable. At times, love may respond to unexpected moments in life in a form of pain. That unexpected pain can cause one's experience in life a tremendous amount of grief. Grief is another story, though. Love, however, is typically branded by society as one vibrant red heart. With just one quick glance at the heart, the red sends signals to the brain, and those signals reassures one's conscious what great comfort that vibrant red heart carries. And to me, this is love in its entirety. So why wouldn't I love this country? And why wouldn't I love the world? And why wouldn't I love where I come from? Why are we bashing America right now? Let's put an end to war. Thank you guys for giving this a listen. Until next time.